following podcast is brought to you by Robots vs. Dinosaurs. Disclaimer, this podcast is about to spoil several movies from 6 to 20 years old. Lou, read off the list. Today, Robots vs. Dinosaurs will be spoiling for you, the listener. Get Out, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Looper, the 2022 Oscars, X-Men Apocalypse, Severance, Family Matters, Minority Report, The Da Vinci Code, Mythic Quest, Fight Club, The Eternals, Venom, Groundhog's Day, Spider-Man, Batman, and Stargate. Hello and welcome to Robots vs. Dinosaurs, the podcast where we watch a movie or a TV show and then try to determine which one is cooler, robots, dinosaurs, or goldfish with only one fin. Mm -hmm. I'm your host, Louis G, and with me as always, whenever I'm reviewing a Marvel TV show, is my trusty, handy sidekick, co-host, Ryan T. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Hey, thank you. Good to be back. Episode two, baby. RT Law in the house. RT Law in the house. Ryan, uh, episode two of what? What are we reviewing today? Today we have a Moon Knight episode two entitled Summon the Suit. Summon the Suit. Hell yeah. Love it. This episode was directed by Aaron Moorhead and written by Michael Castellane. Uh, it stars Oscar Isaac, Ethan Hawke. Um, and a new actor actor on the show, May Callum Callumaway. I'm ooh, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. May Callumaway. I, I think that's right. I think I you're, sh- I've heard it pronounced. I think you're. I think you got it. Her I, name I, is I'm May. Not- May May C. Uh, her last yeah. name starts with C. Um, and <laughs> and she plays Layla. Yes. Uh, so we're going to definitely talk about that. Uh, so. This episode starts with, um, we see the sand outside of Stephen's bed. Uh, we mm-hmm. hear, like, sounds of, of a fight, violence. Stephen wakes up. Uh, he falls out of bed. Um, he looks in the mirror because he had this crazy experience in the last episode. And he then goes to work and begs the security guy, who keeps forgetting his name, if he can look at the, if they can review the security footage from when the jackal attacked him uh, the night yeah. before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Crazy. Crazy. Um, and then, of course, uh, they don't see anything in the footage, which, uh, why do you think that is? Why do you think we don't see the jackal in the security cam? I think that it has to do with the fact that only people who are somehow uh, connected to these gods in a way, maybe people are being used as avatars. Mm-hmm. Because I don't even feel like some of the people in his cult, like, see, I don't even think they're really, I don't think they see it either. I think it's more just if you're involved with it, with a, like, a god. You, mm. you basically have to have that, you know, and clearly they're, they are affecting the world, it seems. But it's just they're not visible to certain people. And I think it has to do with being an avatar to the gods of any yeah. kind. Because I that think would- Arthur can see it. Of course, he's summoning it, but I think Arthur sees it. And then, of course, obviously, so does Stephen Mark's Moon Knight. Mm-hmm. But um, so that's what I think the relation is. I think it has something to do with that connection. Arthur, <laughs> Arthur definitely sees it, but doesn't see Khonshu later on when he's appearing with no. with uh, Stephen at the enclave where where uh, like Mark's co- or. Uh, uh, these names, Arthur, where Arthur is like um, 
collective, his like commune. Yeah, it lives. Oh, commune there in the in yeah. the alley in that big, big old building. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's yeah. like so. I guess I guess my my real question is like why I'd have to go back and rewatch the first episode again. But I feel like when that jackal was chasing him around the museum, stuff was getting knocked over. There was like it was making a ruckus. Like it was just you know, like gripping the walls and like knocking stuff over. But when they played it back, it looked like there was like he was just running from nothing. And but if you look back and look, I don't think that it ever actually interacted with anything in the museum and knocked it. Not until they got past the security cameras and into that room. The bathroom, where he was- right? all this stuff but during the cameras there actually is one part where the where the jackal slams slides and slams into the wall mm. you know you can actually see that the the, the security camera kind of glitches for a second oh so it's almost like he did hit it but you still just can't see it so you know, and then it makes sense yeah. that when it like goes into the bathroom there wouldn't be security footage in the bathroom, so we, he didn't yeah. see the actual fight and him dragging it back in and everything. Which so. is also comes out there. He's expecting him to see him as Moon Knight or whatever, but it's just Mark kind of staring because he's already come back and left the bathroom and stares up at the security camera. I love it. It's like, yeah, you know, I think he knows that they're going to review the footage, obviously. So, yeah. Uh, so then he ends up in the HR office. They're they're firing him in the nicest way ever. They're like offering uh, mental, mental health resources. Would you say just offering him help and, and mm-hmm. all that stuff? Good. Um, uh, do you have something to finish there? Because I have a couple things to mention about that scene. I think are cool. Go ahead. I, th- I think you're probably going to mention uh, what I have written down here. So take it away. Well, I have two things. One is a simple, like the way it's shot. I think it was awesome with the reflections in the in the desk, kind of showing his hands and his head, like in the just the way they use reflections in the whole show is great. And I loved that scene how they did it. Came down at the desk, showed his head, kind of with his hands, which was really cool. But then I also kind of have this feeling about that HR guy. Like, do you think that he is possibly part of the cult? The HR guy. I didn't. I didn't have that thought. Uh, why do you think that? I just feel like he has this sketchy attitude. Almost like uh, it's just strange how he, he's just acting weird. Uh, there was. I wish I wish I jotted it down. He, I don't think I did. He said something. Uh, wait, hang on. Mark has spoken with his mother in a long time. I don't know. Uh let's just move on. <laughs> um the 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 main thing that I noticed during that scene was um the the camera lingered on Steven taking off his name tag and putting oh, it on yeah. the desk. Uh you know, like it's a cop in an action movie, like I want your badge and your gun. Um but <laughs> for a gift shopist shopist, uh it's just his name tag and it's very significant because this is. show is all about like identity and he feels like he's losing himself feels like he's yeah. being taken over by another persona so it's it's like it it's a small thing in a way but it's also huge yeah. for this character yes because he he's in like that's his thing working at this museum he loves it he's into it and like he, you know he wants to be a tour guide mm-hmm. so just really exactly like you said it's almost like that fbi agent who loves his job and chief's like give me the badge you know throws it down and is steven with 
key badge is it's gone, you know? And exactly, mm-hmm. it means much to them and everything's being taken away. And it also kind of shows how this mental disorder can act, can, which I like how they kind of really interact into real life, how these kind of things can really affect. Just imagine like living that kind of life where mm. it really points out how that, how that mental disease can really affect your life. Like, you know, you, you black out for whatever amount of time because someone else is around and it just ruins everything. It sucks. Yeah, it's already ruined relationships for him that we've seen. Um, and like, and now he's lost his job. One thing I, I mentioned, so last episode, uh, I want to sort of make an amendment or a correction or an update. Um, I was talking about like, oh, it's so, I, I mentioned like, it's so sad that scene where he goes to the restaurant and yeah. he calls uh, the person he was supposed to be on a date, finds out it's two days later than he thought it was. And I said something like, Oh, you know, this guy doesn't even know how to order a steak. There is a built-in explanation for that. They've mentioned it several times. He's a vegan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is a thing where, like, ask him how, how he wants it. He doesn't well, – good. I'll take it good or whatever. The best bit. <laughs> That's the bit I'd like. <laughs> yeah. That's the bit I like. It's great. I, I love the way he plays I We haven't mm-hmm. seen Mark yet, but – just uh it really makes you feel feel for him like i i feel bad for the guy (laughs) like it's just he's just lost like he doesn't have any fucking clue what's going on but like he's just trying to live his simple little life yeah he's so like i hate i hate that i can't think of a better word but pathetic and i don't mean that like like i pity him like i like i looked i'm not i don't mean that in a condescending way i mean i have so much empathy for him um, yeah, that I, I just, that's yeah. a good one. empathy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's tragic. It's definitely a tragedy. Uh, the other thing, well, I don't think we talked about this guy in the last episode, but he offloads uh, all of his problems to this gold man that is one of these like street performers that just paints their whole body and clothing gold, like a statue and just sort of sits still in one position for a long time. Um, yeah. One nice little thing about that was in the last episode, uh, we saw him doing the same thing. He's kind of talk. It's it does. It's a lot. It's doing a lot of character building because it, it paints the picture of this guy who doesn't really have friends to talk to. So mm-hmm. the only option for him is this person who literally couldn't even respond, couldn't tell him like if he's in, if he doesn't want to hear all of this. Like he can't even he can't even say that because he has to stay in character and stay still the whole time. Um, yeah. But it's. Steven isn't like a tool about it because when people come by and they're like, oh, will you take a picture? He's like, well, don't forget to donate. So he does like help him out, you know, even though he's kind of taking advantage of him. And it's crazy. I'm just thinking about this now, how everyone he really talks to a lot is someone who doesn't respond. So Mm -hmm. let's say his other personality, the the street performer, his mother, uh, like there's a lot of, Talking to somebody and who's like not really there, I get in some form or another. You know what I mean? Even the security guard never gets his name right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, and I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't like to think that it has anything to do with the fact that he's not. Re- not this isn't really happening. I think. I think there's aspects of what's ha- happening that aren't real. But I don't think the whole situation isn't real or, you know, I don't know if these are questions that you're going to be asking later, but, you know. Well, actually, I want you to expand a little bit more on the mother thing. I didn't really clock that. You said, like, when he talks to his mom, she doesn't respond. 
Yeah, because every time he's talking to her, he's leaving her a voicemail. He never oh. is there. So I really also think that a lot of the personalities putting into Steven, he reveals in this episode, you know, he reveals or, you know, Layla says to him, oh, you're um, uh, oh, you're talking to her again about his right. mother. So clearly he doesn't talk to his mom or hasn't in a long time. So I think a lot of those deep down things in Mark are coming out in the Steven personality, such as also Layla's favorite poet. She's like, no, that's my favorite poet. And Steven's like, oh, you know, but like he's taking the aspects of all the things that maybe subconsciously bother Mark or or just are part of Mark's life that are coming out in Steven. Like he's truly in love with Layla. So the things she likes come out in him. You know, Mark doesn't speak to his mother, so Stephen is always calling his mom. Mm-hmm. You know, so I this little things like Mark—that's how Stephen is created. You know, it's supposed to be like the the other version. Everything Mark isn't or wants to be or have is in Stephen, kind of. Yeah, it's like same way with the other. You know, it's very much like what, you know like what the, happens. Sorry. <laughs> oh, sorry. It's uh, I was just gonna say it's very much like the id and the ego. Um, it's like two sides of the same person, but one is hyper, like all of these qualities. The other one is yeah. the mirror opposite, almost of all of them. I feel like though they're they're pointing that kind of thing out a little bit, and in, in that, you can get an idea of what Mark's about in Steven. I guess. It's a really good catch. The thing with his mom, because now that you now that you're saying that, that was something that was weird to me the first time I watched the episode. Was Layla saying you don't talk to your mom? And I was like, my brain went in the direction of, well, Mark, and it's not like Mark and Steven have a different mom. So whoever it is that he's calling all the time, it's got to be the same person. But I didn't, I didn't even catch that every time it just goes to voicemail. Yeah. Uh, so that's there's, very interesting. There's something going on in the other side of personality that's trying to keep Steven unaware of the situation. So I feel like he's hanging up the postcards from his mom and stuff, which I feel aren't, they're not really from his mom. So it's either it's Mark trying to you know keep even dark, basically. I think you're right. I think you're right about that. That's definitely something I'm going to be paying more attention to for the rest of the show. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Yeah. Did you look up anything about this gold man? Did you find out any anything about him? I, I do know that he like he's based on a character from the comic, but I didn't get too much into it. But I, I looked into it because um, I was yeah. like, this this is not a thing. Like, this is such a stark thing. It's got to be a reference to something in the comics. And I'm very unfamiliar with the comics. So um, in the comics, Moon Knight, uh, Steven slash Mark have another personality called Jake Lockley, who's kind okay. of uh, an investigator, detective or something like that. And Bertrand, Bertrand Crawley is this gold man that is friends with him. Um, and later I think becomes a villain or becomes somebody else, but that's about all I know for now. Well, I think that could be alluding to the fact that Jake may be doing a lot of these things. We haven't seen any of his side yet, but maybe there is a Jake Hmm. and he's, that's one of the big reveals that we'll get later that he's part of what's going on too. I don't know. But, you know, but that would that would be awesome because I can't I can't see him doing this show and not at all bringing that aspect of him into it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't, but I'm also there's a lot. I don't know if you've read this, but Moon Knight 
is very inconsistent in the comics. It's gone through so many different versions and variations of what Moon Knight really is. And, you know, I watched some things on it. And this is, this show is really doing a good job of making it kind of an amalgamation of all the versions of Moon Knight that have existed to make this one cool story of mm. it. So it's hard to read the comics and that, oh, that's going to happen in the show, which you can't really do with the MCU anyway. But just the fact that the comic is very so much from the beginning to what it is now that it's changed so many different ways. Like, excuse me, like a lot of... Kanchu wasn't real in some. He was real sometimes and just different variations. I don't want him to go into the, I Like I, I've said it a million times. I hate things that like aren't turn out to not be real. So I don't want everything to not be real. I really, I love the show and I just don't want, I just don't think they would do that. That's like a cop out. Isn't it? That seems like such a, Oh, it was all a dream. Then you can claim any, any inconsistency. doesn't matter. Oh, it was a dream. It's just, it's kind of, I don't think they'll do that. I think they're smarter. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't it doesn't feel like it's heading in that direction. Um and I wonder I do think like it's very possible we'll see like a third or fourth or however many personalities. I kind of stopped researching once I found out like all I wanted to know about the gold man because if there is a fourth or a fifth or a sixth moon knight personality, I want the show to tell me about that. I don't want to yeah. like spoil myself for that. Um but I I could I I am definitely down for Oscar Isaac playing three completely different peer personalities, four different, however many. Uh, and I think he can pull it off. I cut you off. Yeah. What'd you say? Plus Moon Knight and Mr. Knight too. So it's like, there's a lot in there, you know, yeah. which are basically Mr. Knight is basically Steven and Moon Knight is basically Mark. Yeah. So we can talk about that too. You know, yeah. if the, <laughs> yeah. Once, you know, uh oh we find out so then we find out what the key is for um yeah. the key that he found in the crawl space the last episode for the central I, london storage uh and what were you gonna say i was just gonna say i think that's one of the coolest scenes in the show mm-hmm. i so far i love that whole scene coming down those are the loudest lights though i've ever seen like boom 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 turn <laughs> like damn <laughs> But uh, if you remember, though, those lights do make those noises. I don't know if you remember in gym class in high school, if you've ever gone in, like, morning PE, gym teacher's like, yeah, go turn the lights on. You're like, bop, bop, bop. Those lights really do make noise. <laughs> is it the light that makes the noise, or is it, like, the heavy, like, switch? That that's that's kind of, it's this fuse switch popping on as probably it's sensing that the people are in that vicinity. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> Um, and I like that the guy, the guy at the front desk recognizes him and he's like, oh, I've been, you know, I've been to every location in London and like, you know, they, they, I can't figure out what this key is for. And the guy's like, yeah, no, I know your face, dude. I've, I've, we've talked before. (laughs) Um, and that, and any questions that you have about that are answered the moment he opens the storage room and it's just like a cot crates. There's a pop-up locker guns money like a go bag um mm-hmm. he's got the gold scarab in there so yeah. this is where mark specter stays uh or like state has like his home base i guess when mm-hmm. he takes over and he's about to go on a mission or when he comes back from a mission or something but here's my big question about mm-hmm. that if if we've seen like when he's in wherever he is wherever that village was in the last episode 
there if like there are times when Steven takes back over and Mark has no control over that. So how has it never happened that he goes to bed in this storage unit on the cot and Steven wakes up? Like how has that never happened? I don't know if if Mark I don't know why there's a cot in there, there's, but I I don't think Mark's actually sleeping in there. Okay. Um, cause you're right. There's, there's really no good explanation of why he's never woken up there. I think Mark knows better than that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think maybe the cot is there for a precaution in case like what happened, you know, Steven finds it and he wants to have a place where he can lay down cause he knows when, when he is sleeping, he can take over. So that's really his only opportunity because as Mark says at the end of the episode, the person who is in the body is becoming more and more powerful. So it's harder and harder for the secondary person to come in once that other person has taken over the body. It seems like sleep might start becoming the only way for him to do it as, as, as that person in control becomes more and more. Um, mm. um, but why he has a cotton there, man, I don't know. Just, I guess for that one reason yeah. or, or he was using this before, before Steven, which, cause I don't think it's Steven's been around the whole time. I'm getting this, I'm almost getting a vibe like this split thing might have come about later. Uh, almost uh, as a way of using Kanchu, using a split personality to make Steven be a distraction um, to keep, or maybe Mark created the Steven persona because of Kanchu to keep to keep his family and his life safe because he he didn't want them to be dragged into it. I guess. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> Interesting theory. Okay. Yeah. I feel like well, yeah, we'll find out one way or another. I don't think it's a I don't think it's a mistake or an oversight. I think it's just something that hasn't oh, been exactly. revealed yet. One thing, the show's filling in a lot of stuff as we go, so it's hard to tell, but we shall see. Um, I I wrote I wrote this down, but I don't remember when he says this, but I wrote that Mark says uh, it's he's probably having a conversation with himself in the mirror. Mark says, I serve Khonshu. I'm his avatar. I protect the innocent. Yes. That's what he says. That's what Mark, that's what the reflection Mark says to Steven while in the in the unit, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, so basically telling him, he's he's finally telling him what the fuck's going on, but yeah. he's kind of like, fuck, and then he starts freaking out. You know, like, you know, he's got to tell him, I guess, at this point, because Steven's really, Steven's really figuring out what's going on, and Mark didn't expect this to happen, I don't think. So here we are, Mark's like, fuck, he's in my storage unit. <laughs> I basically have to, I got to tell him what's going on so that we can keep Layla. I think a lot of it has to do with keeping Layla safe. He doesn't want her dragged into this. So um, that's a big part of it. Yeah. But then Layla, Layla finds him. Um, Yes. Well, he finds Layla kind of. (laughs) How does that happen? Refresh me on that. He runs out of the storage unit because Mark is telling him how he's a, uh, he's an avatar of Kanchu and, you know, we, you know, we're, we 
we're Batman, basically. <laughs> <laughs> totally different, but, you know, the fist of vengeance, you know. Sure, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so he gets pissed. He's like, well, you know what? I'm going to take all this stuff. And he packs up the guns and the money, and he says he's going to go to the police with it. And then he leaves the storage unit and kind of this whole creepy thing with Kanchu and he's running through the halls and Kanchu's like creeping up on him. That was cool. That was yeah. really cool. That whole scene was awesome. And they actually did like a freeze frame shot where this frame stops. It was like the coolest thing. You don't see that in shows or movies very often, but it was a, a weird choice, but cool. I almost thought it was a mistake at first, like an editing <laughs> yeah. mistake. I thought my Disney Plus like froze. Yeah. <laughs> like what? I thought it was a glitch, but I've now seen the episode like six times. So, but, uh, and then he runs out and trips and falls in the road. And basically Layla, like almost hits him with the scooter. There it is. Okay. And then they go back to his quote unquote, his mom's quote unquote apartment. Right. Yeah. And then he's on the scooter. She basically tells him how it's, she's his wife. And he's like, like, what, (laughs) you know, (laughs) what the fuck? You're my wife, you know? So then he's like, take me back to my flat and I'll explain everything. And then he, they, they go back to his apartment mm-hmm. They when they kind of have a little bonding there. And she, but she doesn't believe that he, this, she thinks he's putting it all on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she, this, cause when, Oh, I remember now when he's on the back of the scooter, um, she keeps saying like, you know, Mark, you can drop the accent. Like we're far yeah. away from anybody that could hear you. So you can stop it now. Uh, and yeah. he's just like, it's not an accent. This is how I talk. This is which the confusion like be of being him i just think it's i love him just he's just lost like what is happening to me right now mm-hmm. i just i just think it's awesome you know i have a wife <laughs> like what and, oh speaking of that's yeah. another reason why i feel like there's another another personality because mm-hmm. who would have asked out that woman because you have mark who's married uh I mean, I know he's getting divorced, but he clearly kind of is only doing it for certain re- reasons. I mean, it's not because he's not in love with her. And then, of course, Stephen didn't. So, yeah. Who I yeah. Like, That's a must- really good question. Like, there probably is someone else doing these little things, replacing the fish for him. That- I, I could be Mark, but I feel like Mark's busy with so many other things whenever he's Mark. He doesn't have time to, like, be filling in these little things. I think there's someone else doing that. Not only that, but, like, if – because my first thought when you said that, I hadn't thought about that. And that's that's awesome because my first thought was, okay, well, maybe what Mark is doing is, like, trying to set Steven up with, like, a girlfriend so that Steven is more, like, satisfied with his life and has, like – stuff yeah you can compartmentalize that side and like keep steven as steven but yeah the fact that he's married i don't i don't think i don't see him going and like asking out some other woman like when he's married already even if he is going through a divorce like i don't know i just don't see that so that's a really interesting thought that it might be like a third personality that's doing that maybe the goldfish thing maybe some other things good catch ryan and i also feel like like every time he's mark is mark's busy doing moon night stuff what when does he have time to be asking out a woman going on a date buying goldfish to replace dead ones that he didn't feed that's that's what i feel like happened <laughs> oh dude why didn't why didn't why didn't we think of that last time because we were like going over all these possibilities like did it grow back or 
Did, yeah. But yeah, no, it was probably he forgot he couldn't feed it because he was on mission for however long. I feel like and, he was, you know, exactly. I, so I think there's someone else filling in the life on, in, in, a, in the background. Oh, part, man. Okay. Okay. Uh, awesome. Oh. So then, yeah, while they're in the apartment, uh, Layla finds the book of poetry by, by Marceline de Bold Valmore. Oh, wow. You're good. Um, and he, uh, uh, Stephen, is able to recite this poem from memory. Um, and the poem goes, Ne crie pas, je suis triste, et je voudrais m'attendre. Les beaux étaient sans toi. C'est la nuit sans flambeau. J'ai refermé mes bras qui ne pouvaient détendre et frappé à mon corps, c'est frappé à tombeau. Ne crie pas. And what that means in English is, do not write. I am sad and want to put my light out. Uh, summers in your absence are as dark as a room. I have closed my arms again. They must do without. To knock at my heart is like knocking at a tomb. Do not write. I think that's such a reference to, to his love, lo- his love for her. Clearly, that's been compartmentalized into Stephen from Mark. Because he loves her, and that's part of the Stephen personality. Duh. Mm-hmm. That reinforces my thought of that, because I didn't really know what it meant, but mm-hmm. the fact that it's almost like a love poem, that's it's a love poem. That, Yeah. And then it mentions the tomb. To knock at my heart is like knocking at a tomb. So, I mean, it, what, what the poet is saying is like, don't write to me. I've, er- I've already banished the thought of you. I'm, I'm trying to get over my heartbreak from you. So if you write to me, it'll only, it'll only reawaken those feelings, uh, which are already dead and, and buried. And, and, you know, it of course evokes like the image of a sarcophagus and an Egyptian Pharaoh in a tomb and that kind of thing. So it's really, um, painting of complete picture. It's really good. Like all the, all the references, all the, 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 the literary. Oh, it's great. Things they're putting into the show. Yeah. It's really good really awesome i wish i knew more about egyptian history and like stuff because there's probably so much because of it but yeah most most of what i know about it comes from watching stargate (laughs) (laughs) nice oh man which is a great movie um but probably not historically accurate (laughs) no probably not (laughs) YouTube uh, guys, uh, New Rocks. I think it was New Rock Stars. Either with these guys who do like breakdowns of shows and stuff, and they were like, "What if the fish's name is Gus because it's short for sarcophagus?" Mm. Which is <laughs> when you said that, I was like, "Yo, that's pretty clever, right there." <laughs> what if it is? That's really clever. That's cute because it doesn't. It doesn't have. To, it, that never needs to be answered, but it's like cute. And now in my head, that's exactly what it is figure it out cool that's fun little thing and i yep. when he said that i was like oh my god that's awesome that's probably true <laughs> i like that a lot that's perfect yeah. um oh i did we didn't uh, mention this when he's in the storage locker and he finds the scarab um mm-hmm. he kind of holds it and it sort of spins and stays in one direction and steven smart as steven is figures out oh it must be you must be some sort of compass but you're not pointing towards north so what are you pointing towards and uh, it's pointing towards Amit's Ush- Ushabti. 
Her tomb, yeah. Um, an Ashabti specifically, though, is a is a figurine, uh, like uh, like basically a carving, a, a small statuette, an action an action figure, essentially, mm-hmm. of the whatever is buried in the tomb, and it's put there to be a servant of the of the dead. So the belief is you you carve this likeness of the dead and put it next to their tomb, and when they are when they enter the Egyptian afterlife. Um, that Ushabti is their servant and can, I guess, I don't know, I don't know if this is, I'm sort of assuming this part, I'm guessing that it's there to, like, uh, be your link between the, the underworld and the material world. Like their avatar? Kind of, yeah, yeah. Okay. And I feel like this figurine has something to do with become, like, if you find it, if you touch it, maybe, that's how you become the avatar of Khonshu or the avatar of Amit. Um, so I think we're going to probably see something like that in action at some point when they find the Ushabti. Oh, heck yeah. That's why I can't wait now that they're in Egypt. I feel like we're going to we're gonna hopefully get some cool shit. <laughs> yeah, I feel like um, the show might come back to London towards the end, but I feel like this is like where it was heading the whole time. Is like it's going to be yeah. this big desert adventure. There's going to be pyramids probably. It's going to be cool. I'm, I'm excited for it. Oh, love it. Uh, so a couple of uh, quote unquote agents show up to his apartment, knocking on his door. Um, Ryan, how how long did you buy this ruse that they were actual like fes- uh, federal agents or something? As the the male detective just bursts through the door, yeah. which you do. I was like, nah, this this is something's fucked up right here. Yeah, and with their names like Agent like Fitzgerald and Kennedy, which is JFK's middle name and last name. <laughs> Give me a moment because their names are a reference to something in the comics. Is it? Yeah. Uh, Billy and Bobby are uh, Bobby Kennedy and Billy Fitzgerald. Um, oh. They are. They were in the Moon Knight comic. They served Amit. They also worked as orderlies in a mental hospital, imprisoning Mark Spector. Um, and so they are, obviously the episode shows us they're servants of Amit, but uh, I guess they're also big, big, not big characters, but they're like Bebop and Rocksteady, like from the Ninja Turtles, um, to, to Amit's agent, uh, agent Shredder, um, to Amit's the Shredder. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I didn't think they were like at first, when they first came in and took them, I did not think they were going to be cult members. I just Really? I was like something off, but I didn't. It's like, oh, well, that makes sense now that they're. I mean, they were after the scare, but I didn't put that together for some reason. You know, that's why sometimes you got to watch six times, like I do. I as soon as he opened the door, I my hackles went up, and I was like, these guys were sent by Ethan Hawke. There's definitely like, there's no way they're real agents. Like, and also, I I, I immediately was like, but Steven's gonna fall for it. He's definitely such like a docile like you know, uh, deferential to authority kind of person that he's definitely just going to let himself get taken into the station or whatever. Absolutely. Um, so, so they do, they put him in the car and, which he kind uh, of tested, I think into a with regular police. Like he was, he was kind of, he was kind of down. Oh, he was like, Oh, this isn't the police station, but Mm. (laughs) was somewhat okay with being arrested. But, 
Yeah, I think he had kind of like processed it and accepted that like he yeah. vandalized the. I mean, he really didn't, but like ac- according to all visible evidence, he vandalized the museum. He got fired. He was ex- he he was expecting to probably get arrested or fined or something for it. Um, yeah. But but I believe I'd have to go back and rewatch it again. But I believe the HR guy said we're not interested in pressing charges like the museum. That's so. Why- Say that he was sketchy yeah. because he said they weren't going to push press charges. Then the cops showed up at his door. See, that's so why that, I suspected the cops instead. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of that's kind of why I thought. Yeah, he's a little he's a little whack. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, it's still uh, still you know up in the air that that could be still on the table that the HR guy is an agent. That's why I love the show because there's so this is the kind of show this is reminds me back of WandaVision. When we did WandaVision, nothing was that mysterious. Like, but that first, when we did that WandaVision podcast, it was like, we were always guessing what the heck was going on. It, that's what I feel like we're doing with this more so than anything else. Like, you know, get the Falcon and Winter Soldier, we're like, oh, who's the power broker? But like, not like the whole show is going to twist and like show you like a whole new perspective of what's going on same with loki loki was great but it was like oh who are the timekeepers you know but there's no real twist on the whole show this is like to me it's going to be one of those wandavision type scenarios where our minds are going to get blown we're going to be like what the fuck that's that's why that's why this show really clicked with me i love it i love i love this kind of thing like it's great it's a really fun puzzle box. Ryan, I absolutely require you at this point to watch Severance so we can discuss it. <laughs> looking at it, like, I keep looking at it pop up on my on my Facebook and my Apple TV. And I'm like, ah! But I have to be in that, like, a lot of times I get home from work, I just want to put on something chill and, like, surf through my phone and not pay attention. And I know I have to pay attention to that show. It's going to be one of those... Yeah, but the whole the whole season is out now, so you can binge it and get the yeah. whole thing. Didn't it so. last week or this week or something? Uh, on Wednesday, yeah, it was the or oh. Thursday. Thursday was the there's, last episode a, of the season. A lot of my uh, YouTube channels because I watch a lot of movie breakdown type channels, and they're all popping up with the explanation of Severance. I'm telling I you, man. I don't want to know, but <laughs> you got You got to watch that show so we can talk about it. Um, but this I'll is not the Severance podcast yet. Uh, it is. Um, this is a great scene when they've got uh, Steven in the car and they park it and just sort of get out and leave him in there. And he ends up talking to himself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just long enough that Ethan Hawke eventually like comes and lets him out and, and tells him, like, we did that on purpose. We wanted you to... Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think he even is like, I apologize for, for this treatment or, you know, he for this not- ruse, but... I love how he's so like his just kind, gentle. It's almost like creepily too nice, you know. You and that music, like every time, like you get Arthur, ding ding ding. That that I can't remember it totally off the top of my head, but that music it plays whenever Arthur is there is so awesome, and you can hear that glass shaking in his foot, like when he kicks the soccer ball. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, that's a good catch, and it's just so. Cr- creepy how he he's so calm but like he knows all these things about Kanchu and he just walks through the village or through the back streets there not a village anymore but uh you know and he's just everything so oh the green thumb the tomatoes ready you know it's just i love that i 
I think that Oscar Isaac and Ethan Hawke in this show have just, they're just amazing. They're so good in it. I love it. And- would you would you fall for this guy's ruse? Like if you were, uh, if you lived in London and like maybe you were, you know, on the street or whatever, like would you fall for it? Or would you be like, this guy's too nice. Like he's, there's something suspect. Or oh. is it that we have the benefit of like these music cues and we know we, that there's a good guy and a bad guy. Like, what do you think? I think that any group of people that get together have these weird beliefs and like put tattoos on their wrists and they all have this, there's something always about non-individuality that kind of irks me. Yeah. So, you know, when you see that type of thing, I, I don't like it. I wouldn't have joined. I would never. I'm a I'm a weirdo kind of. So I would never. I would <laughs> just never. I don't think I would ever have done that. No, no matter how nice it is. Yeah, the the I I think I I don't know. I might be I might be attracted to it. I might be tempted by it. But the moment I see him do that alligator Loki cane thing and like take oh. somebody's life's force, I'd be like, oh, I'm out. I am fully out. <laughs> the episode that. that- where he just like sucks the the old woman's life, mm-hmm. and he does it in this episode too yeah. to like a homeless person. But I, but I have a, but but he doesn't do it in the same way. In the, it, I I feel like he should. He like judged that woman. He put the cane on. He held her hand. The tattoo did the thing. The cane was waving back and forth. He just literally was like. I can give you food and shelter, but I can't give you this. He gently grabs his hand and the guy just like, and like collapses. I feel like all a facade, something else. Like he really just suck in people's energy to make her stronger. Yeah. Like why, why some are left and some aren't like he chose that, that guy in the first one, he let him live. And the old, mm-hmm. I think it might be because maybe that guy has something to offer more so to this cult than this old lady does. You know, I don't, I don't know, but there's he, some, there's something off about it. I didn't feel like it wasn't the same ritualistic practice. He just walked up to the dude, sucked his energy, took the scarab and it, because he had no one else around to, he didn't have to put on that whole judging him facade almost maybe yeah his cover story is the whole minority report like precog thing where he's like you know um amit amit will light the path to good by eradicating the choice of evil uh he has a whole conversation with um with steven about like how basically his whole philosophy that like you know we want to uh, he, he compares what he's doing to medicine. He says, you know, sometimes the cure is a little taste of the disease. The difference between yeah. medicine and poison is the dosage. And yeah. so he sees like crime or the fact that somebody will potentially commit a crime as um, as like that's a good thing is to know that like I am so certain of that. My God is so certain of that that I can cut it out. I can rip it out of the ground like a root before it grows into a weed and chokes the life out of everything. And his his quote-unquote proof that it's effective is that the crime rate in this neighborhood has gone down since he started doing his his judgment thing. Uh, it's a difficult thing to... It's, it's not right, of course. 
everyone should have their free will and choice. What about the life that they would have led up to the point where they did something wrong? I don't know. They don't deserve that life. They didn't, I don't know. It's like, yeah, maybe they're going to do something terrible, but you can't, that's just taking away people's free will. I don't know how else to say. You just can't do that. Yeah. If, What's if like, everyone's just going to be the, everyone's just going to be the zombie like people with no thoughts of their own. Cause Amit has already destroyed anybody who's going to do anything with any choice. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It seems a little, a little too much, you know, I honestly prefer Kanchu, you know, wait until they fuck, <laughs> fuck out of them. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I, I feel like that's a much better justice system. It's a much more fair justice system. Uh, it's, don't get hurt, I guess. And the, the, the people never have time to hurt somebody or do whatever they're going to do. But again, you just kind of have to let life and things happen as they happen. It's mm-hmm. part of living. And also, like, there there are a lot of reasons why I think that everything that, that Arthur is saying about this is bullshit. But first and foremost, if Amit is... Bullshit. What? Yeah, it's also bullshit, but... Because yeah, for, first and foremost, if Amit is so omniscient and so... Can, can predict the future so accurately, like, this particular person is going to do something so yeah. terrible that they deserve to die... Why even allow that person to be born? If you're this all-powerful, all-knowing God, why even let the bad element be born in the first place? Like, that's a great point. Yeah, I guess I guess it comes down to needing an an agent, like a human agent, to actually do things on the physical realm. But whatever, it's 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 bullshit. It's bullshit. <laughs> there's there's total bullshit. It's just it's not right. And I think Stephen agrees with you and me, Ryan, because he says, uh, maybe that's just me, but I kind of draw a line at uh, child murder. Yeah, because he's like totally with, like he says, so you kill children, you know, if they're going to do something in 30 or what years. And basically he doesn't say yes, but his reaction is basically, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, he doesn't say yes, but he doesn't emphatically say no. So that's a yes. (laughs) Exactly. So, you know, and then, you know, that's when he breaks out the old cane. And now he says, too, that he's, you know, this was a gift to to Emmett's first avatar. Mm. And that could be taken two ways. What is he the first or has that been passed down from avatar to avatar that now he has it? You think that that is what he meant by that? I don't think he was Amit's first avatar because he also says that he was the he's the former avatar of Khonshu. Right. So I don't think Arthur is the first avatar of Amit. I think it's a thing where this um, purple, yeah. this purple stone that looks like something we've seen in the MCU before uh, it's passed down. It's almost like the suit that you get as Moon Knight. That's what you get as Amit's avatar this came with power do you feel like that or do you think there'll be some kind of superpower suit he gets <laughs> uh, he probably he probably does have some sort of transformation that he can do or whatever but i do think um i i just think like the mcu has a very uh, strong and deliberate visual language and i've, I've we talked about this a lot yeah. in in wandavision too Anytime I see this purple glowing stone or purple magic happening, I think it has something to do with the power stone itself. Mm. 
I think it has some yeah, power stone or d- dark, powerful magic. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Agatha Harkness is that purple energy of darkness. The the power stone usually used in a evil, powerful way. This purple dark man i think it has something to do with darkness and evil yeah like the purple seems to be dark dark magic evil magic red seems to be chaos magic the orange seems to be the doctor strange eldridge magic or whatever they call that the green magic seems to be time time oh i was gonna think like uh um like loki's magic uh, illusion illusion yeah that's like sprite and, and and him but well they're a little different the eternals use all uh no but sprite like, sprite is a pretty accurate like comparison to loki like they have a very similar kind of vibe they, and power they, set yeah so i don't know i just kind of thought of it like that but yeah the absolutely everything you're right that the mcu does a mcu does a really good job of color coordinating our our stuff like that so we can kind of differentiate it which is perfect so I, I also think like the mc the the comics are absolutely certain like these are gods there are gods there are demons there's like m- literally magic i think the mcu and even after we've seen wandavision and we've seen loki um and everything we've seen so far in moon Knight, i still maintain it's not gods and demons it's like i think Khonshu, amit are interdimensional beings. So I think like everything in the MCU is is pseudoscience. I almost said science. It's pseudoscience, <laughs> not religious stuff. Like not no, totally. gods and demons and heaven and hell. It's like heaven, quote unquote, heaven or hell or this Egyptian pantheon would be yeah. like more like Dermammu. They'd be like interdimensional beings. And the reason they can't uh, do ex- directly what they want to do here is because just like Dormammu, like they're kept at bay by something, maybe a sorcerer or whatever, but like that's why they need an avatar uh, to be their go-to. Now, I have a question for you mm-hmm. about all the different gods. Like, do you do you think they'll ever differentiate? Like, we have like celestials, then we have like the Asgardian Nordic gods, like Thor and Loki and all them. Then there's even going to be the Greek gods being produced, apparently, in Thor, Love and Thunder. Like, like Hercules. Hercules right. is a big Marvel character, yeah. Right. And then you have your Egyptian gods, Khonshu, and all these bast from, like, Black Panther, too, mm-hmm. which yeah, a, lot of, a lot of this stuff, like, there's so many different versions of gods. Will there be some kind of differentiation to that? Or do you think that it's just kind of like did the celestials create the egyptian gods in the or or is there going to be some kind of explanation of how these are all called gods but they're also very different that's pretty much what i'm what i'm positing is that it's not literally gods it's aliens yeah. and or interdimensional beings right like, which i mean like, what's like we're you know splitting hairs but like um but it's really a god he's more of an alien right He's yeah, just because the Eternals made it very clear, like a lot of our mythology uh, in the real world comes from in, you know, in the MCU comes from these robots from space coming down 
and doing these incredible feats and things and us us witnessing that and writing stories about it so we can try to comprehend it. Uh, and that's how they created this Egyptian pantheon and these, you know, other whatever things they worship as like mm-hmm. a way to explain these phenomena that they just had no other way to measure scientifically or, or observe scientifically. Um, so, yeah, I think it, I think it's it comes down to when they're talking about gods, like if they're Asgardian, if they're like Greek pantheon, for example, those are like Asgardian aliens that came here, did whatever and fucked right. off back to their back to their home <laughs> planet. Uh, but if it's something like, I don't know, I, I feel like, I feel like Amit, Khonshu, and whatever other, like the Ennead, the other Egyptian gods that we might, uh, mm-hmm. this, this show might talk about. I feel like that, I don't, I don't have a, I don't have any like evidence for this, but I have the feeling that they're more like Dormammu. They're more like an interdimensional thing. No, that, that's a great explanation. That, that was good. Yeah. yeah. I, I because because if they were aliens like like the Asgardians or like the Eternals, I don't think they would be invisible. I don't think that they wouldn't be able to interact physically with this yeah. world. You know that that's a good point. The the fact that they can't they can't interact themselves. There must be on some kind of different realm or dimension or something like that. Yeah, be cool. Be cool to get an explanation or like a little bit of difference so I can in my mind separate them. This might have been answered in the episode, but did did uh, did Arthur say that he rejected Conchu because Amit was better, or did Conchu reject him? I don't think they have ever they never really he didn't say. Hmm. What do you think? I honestly think that Conchu at this point, what I think is Conchu rejected Arthur because to. He was actually a little too hardcore in his vengeance, trying to get. He was, he was trying to do more of like exactly what he's doing now, trying to judge people beforehand. Yeah, no, nah, that ain't my. That's not my bag, you know. And so, go find another god. <laughs> and I yeah. guess, you know, which has like vision of of him, you know, judge them beforehand to eliminate the whole situation, but. I, I'm more with Conchu. Like, you can't really punish people before they've done anything. That's what just- I think. That's what I think, too. I, I feel like the story is that, like, Arthur was his avatar and at some point got overzealous, maybe even killed a kid that he saw, like, doing something semi-bad and was like, well, I got to kill this kid before he grows up to be a tyrant. Uh, and Conchu was like, nope, you're out. Yeah. And Ethan Hawke is playing this character so well because we, we've talked about how, like, he puts on this really great uh, mask, pretty much, of, you know, oh, hey, you got a green thumb and those tomatoes are so great. And, you, oh, how you doing with playing soccer or whatever? Um, but, like, also in his performance is this this very high amount of tension, like, right under the surface. And you could tell he's, like, keeping it at bay. <laughs> Um, so I, I, what I get, what I interpret from that is like he has a lot of resentment from being rejected by Khonshu, and yeah. that's how Amit was able to like tempt him to come over to her side and do her evil bidding and whatever. Um, Maybe history between Amit and Khonshu that, that there was some kind of fight that ended and, and somehow this is how Arthur ended up with Amit. Who knows about the history between the two, which is cool. I can't wait to find out. 
that's awesome. For sure. And based on the limited things I do know about Egyptology and Egypt, Egyptian deities, they either were like brother and sister and they had an incestuous relationship or they were like, uh, yeah, they or they were like the mother and father of uh, two other similar beings that had an incestuous relationship. What I'm getting at is there's a lot of incest in <laughs> the Egyptian pantheon. Also in the Greek pantheon. It's not, it's not like... Uh, that's like a w- exclusively uh, Eastern thing. No, it's uh, it was common, common back then. Um, so then what happens? He's in he's in the middle of this enclave. Uh, he's eating this ve- vegan stew that uh, is actually very like he compliments him on his cooking skills. The way he's eating it too makes me want some. But mm, it looked good. Yeah, uh, I think it was lentil soup maybe and. Um, and then it pops off. Uh, so Kanshu kind of shows up. He's like, oh, is he here right now? What's he saying? And he yeah. even, like, guess. I, I didn't write it down, but he guesses exactly what he said. Yeah, he was like, he, said, he says, I am justice, right? <laughs> just as he's, like, <laughs> dipping the soup. He just said he's justice, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then what exactly, like, what, uh, I, I, I think I skipped over this part of my notes. Like, what happens next before he starts running? Like, wh- what makes him, like, start running away? Uh, he's, he basically is telling him the story, and then he, he's, you know, he says, so, the Arab, you know, where is it? And, you know, basically, I don't have it. And then he's like, well, maybe you know someone who does. And that's when his reflection pops up in the pan of Mark. He's like, don't tell him, you know? And, uh. And, and then I Layla saw, just shows up, right? I saw a great meme. It was a Will Smith. He's like, keep my wife out of your fucking mouth. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, at the beginning yeah. of every episode, I do like the spoiler warning. I'm going to have to spoil uh, spoiler for the 2022 Oscars. Yeah, please. <laughs> In case anybody doesn't know what happened uh, <laughs> at this point. I, that was one of the funniest memes I saw from that. I was dying. But yeah, that is so good. He, don't tell him about don't tell him about her, you know, mm-hmm. basically. And then she like has the scarab and she runs in like I have it, you know. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, "Here, take this. Summon the soup. Protect it." He's like, "What? Summon the soup? Suit. <laughs> 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 summon the soup." And then I guess Arthur summons the jackal and it starts yeah. chasing him and nobody else can see it. Even Layla can't see it, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, and he sort of like barricades them behind this door, but the jackal's clearly going to break through. And that's when he finally does. Uh, well, he like jumps through the window and tackles, tackles Stephen through the window. Yeah. And then you can't see the it doesn't show the jackal though because it's visible to everyone except when you're seeing it through mark's eyes i guess or steve's eyes and uh and then they fall and, and he hits his head really hard on like a flagpole or something and yeah just smacks on the ground which goes back to what i was uh positing in the last episode that he has some sort of like healing factor or some sort of yeah. healing powers right because well, he you can't survive that fall he changes into Mr. Knight before he hits the ground. But right. He says, summon the suit, smacks his face on the lamppost, and then this... So, yeah, definitely there's a... And that's pretty clear because, I mean, are we going to spoil, spoil the end here? But he says, you know, you, you you were dead, 
you know, I, when I found you, I, you, you're nothing. I basically reincarnated you. Kanju mm-hmm. tells him, says that you're, you're dead without me. So clearly he can re- he basically, I don't think can die when he's in that suit. It, I, I'm, he's probably invincible. And obviously he's got super strength. So luckily he said summon the suit just before. And then of course he's Mr. Knight, not Moon Knight. Do you think if Khonshu leaves him or, like, chooses another avatar? Like, he said he was interested in Layla. Um, Do you think if he leaves him, all of that stuff will catch up to him and he'll just drop dead? Or do you think he'll just, like, continue living until he naturally dies? Because Arthur's still alive. But I feel like at some point, being Khonshu's avatar, he must have been injured to the point. I mean, shit. Mark's dude. I mean, something must have happened. And I don't know how long he was or whatever, but... You're battling like interdimensional creatures and stuff. You're going to get The suit's going to save you. So I would imagine he's going to be alive. But I feel it's kind of all really more of a threat from Kanchu because he doesn't want to lose Mark. You know, he, he. I feel like even though it's a pain in the ass with the split personality, he's formed to manipulate and control him because of his weak mind. So I feel like he's threatening him with Layla because, you know, he says, like, this is our last mission. He's like, but just remember what I'm going to do after that. You know, I have my eyes on someone you love. So it's almost like a threat. Like, yeah, this could be our last mission, but I'm going to take your woman as soon as we're done. And she's going to be the, my, my new avatar. So mm. you make your almost like threat, like the kind of a dickhead. Um, And then we get to my two favorite lines in the show so far. Uh, I don't know why I didn't write down who says this, but somebody sees him. It's probably Layla and says he looks like Psycho Colonel Sanders. That was Mark in the reflection. Oh, he's Mark. Yeah, brilliant. That is. He's like, what kind of suit is this? And he's like, I don't know. You said to summon a suit. He's like, I meant, you know, I meant, I meant the, the armor of Kanchu from his tomb. And he's like, you look like a psycho Colonel Sanders. Psycho Colonel Sanders. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. And then this jackal is chasing him around. And this is when we see that it absolutely definitely is interacting with the physical world because it like uh, chases him over the roof of a car and there's like the pressure or the weight of it. Uh, creates yeah. a crack in the windshield uh, when he gets like slammed up against the bus. Uh, it definitely impacts that. And those two uh, women see him uh, see him fighting this invisible thing. And one of them says, "Do you reckon he's having a seizure?" And the other one says, "Nah, he's just a fancy drunk." Yes, that was great. And he's just over there swinging at nothing. Mm. <laughs> um, this is also. Oh, go ahead. Go, go ahead. I was going to say, that's so cool, that part of that transformation scene where he's like, just let me, he's like, fine, just take over for now. Mm. Which I think, I think it's actually, Mark's going to be for a while now, I feel like, because he's now in the body and I don't think he wants to let it go for this, for a little while, because yeah, like he said, whoever is in the body is the one who's in over hard, excuse me, to get back in, you know? Yeah, Ryan, have you seen Us, the Jordan Peele movie? No, no, I'm sorry, not us, the other Jordan Peele movie, um, Get Out. Have you seen Get Out? Get Out, that's the one where they, like, uh, hypnotize people? Uh-huh. I did see it once. I'll have to say, I can't remember everything about it, but I remember 
gist of it. That's what this made me think of when he sees, like, when Mark takes over and he sees Steven in the reflection. And Steven is like, oh, my God, this is what it's like here, you know. And um, it it reminded me of the sunken place is what they call it in Get Out. Like, uh, he's on the other side. Like, yeah. And he even said, feel stuck. Like, you know, and Mark tells him how, you know, it takes, like, everything in you just to be the fly on the wall, you know. And at first he's like, man, now that I see what it's like for you, Mark, I feel bad. Like, you know, I feel terrible that, you know, now that I'm experiencing this and seeing what it's like, that's terrible. And then Mark is just like, well, I'm keeping it now that I've got it. And then then he's just like gets angry and he's like, I will never give you a moment of peace. I will be like your guilty conscious, whatever he shouts at him. Um, Yep. Then he shouts glass. And then then we have that scene with Mark and Conchu. Mm -hmm. told me he wouldn't he wouldn't interfere you know and i love that one other little detail is this is where we see from like in the promos there was that grc poster this is where we see it on the side of the bus or uh, it's on the side of a building or something and it's really clever little easter egg it says grc reuniting you with your better half oh i never noticed that (laughs) he's clever yeah (laughs) i like that that's awesome uh, and that is pretty much the episode, right? Did yeah. I leave? Any, did we leave anything out? Um, well, no. You uh, just basically the ending. You know, Kanchu says how basically he, you were you were dead when I found you, and if it wasn't for me, you you wouldn't be alive. And kind of threatens him with the Layla thing, and you know that's who I'm going to take over next. And then you know we have to go to Egypt and get there before Harrow does and basically they're off to Egypt and then we have a little clip at the end in the uh, hotel room or wherever you stay in there where you see the reflection of I think it's Steven in in the mirror and then you have the drinking and then you just fucking drunk and then gets up opens the thing we're in Egypt and then we have that fucking complete banger of a song that's over the end credits which is awesome mm. and uh yeah and, and- and again, like he's hitting the bottle really hard. I, I question Mark's intelligence because, like, if you're a split personality and there's this push and pull between you and the other dominant personality, if that were me, if I were in that situation and I was like sudden, like I just took back control, I would never drink. I would absolutely never, and I would certainly not drink like that, where I'm just hitting the bottle directly. That's Jake. That's what? That's Jake. That's Jake. That's Jake. <laughs> Drinking. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. <laughs> we'll see. I can't wait. Ah, every time. This show is just really good. Ah, fantastic. Ryan, are you ready to do Lose Big Three? I'm always ready. <laughs> yeah. Hit the theme. All hit right. The awesome. Oh, I was just putting a cue for myself to hit the theme song. Uh hit it. Hit it. Lose big three with you and me. It's Luigi with the big old three. All right, awesome. Ryan, wasn't that awesome hearing yourself sing? That was that was actually beautiful. I I loved it. I shed a tear. <laughs> uh, so this is Lose Big Three. Oh, by the way, right after Lose Big Three, stay tuned, listeners, because RVD history, Ryan, we have our first piece of hate mail to read on air. Oh, that sounds fantastic. Yeah, baby. Uh, so let's get through Lou's Big Three, and then we'll get right to that. 
lose big three number one. I feel like you solved this already, but yeah, I do want to posit the question anyway. Um, sure. Is it possible that one fin Gus and two fin Gus are avatars of an Egyptian fish god of some sort that made a pact with one of them? And like when Gus is regular Gus, that's basically like Steven Gus. And when he summons the suit, he has an extra fin. Oh, like, like Kanchu like has a little, like a little fish god buddy who also yeah. takes fish with him. Yeah. Oh, that actually sounds like a great idea. So Steven has his, <laughs> Steven has his own goldfish and Mark has his own goldfish. Yeah. That's absolutely what's <laughs> awesome. I'm glad we solved that once and for yeah, all. Yeah, and I think like the whole episode on the backstory. That I <laughs> Oh my god. Well, you know what? The, the the something the MCU MCU does like a little bit that's really fun is like animal sidekicks or like animal side characters like the Flurkin from Captain Marvel. Um lot of the shows too. Like there's some kind of funny animal or something. Like uh it's great. They do a great job of that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, lose big three number two. We we had a discussion about this. I think I know your answer, but is it ethical if you had the power of foresight to prevent a crime by any means necessary? Like even if it means technically committing a crime or committing violence against somebody yourself. I ultimately don't. God, this is such a tough question. Ultimately, my answer is no. You just can't do that. Once that that happens, then like I, I I just feel there's no choice. There's no free will, even though you're choosing something bad. That's part of human nature. And you, you, if you just eliminate all and everyone who's ever going to make a bad choice, it's just that's that's crazy. And how far does it go? Mm. Does it go down to, oh, I robbed somebody and I deserve to lose my whole existence? Or is it only murder? Or where do we draw the line? You know, so mm -hmm. who are, and who is anybody to judge that? Mm. You know, let me make this question a little bit. Let me make this moral quandary a little bit harder for you. Let's oh say you, Ryan, are sitting around and you're like, and, and you're like, man, I'm a little bit hungry. And then. Uh, you have like flash, there's a vision of you eating pizza. Uh, and then your roommate walks in and is like, hey, I just ordered pizza. Uh, and then the doorbell rings and there's a pizza. Um, so that might be like, okay, maybe I have some sort of premonition powers, right? And then tomorrow you go to work and on your way to work, you have a flash of vision of, uh, oh my gosh, uh, I'm going to crash into a tree that fell on the road. Uh, and then you get to like a red light and boom, a, cra a tree crashes onto the road and you narrowly avoid it. You might start to feel like, you know what, these flashes, these premonitions are totally legit and they're helping me prevent bad things from happening or helping me predict accurately what's going to happen, right? So then you get to work and they're oh like, boy. hey, this is, your, this is your new coworker, John. And you shake John's hand and as soon as you touch his hand, boom, flash, you have this premonition of John murdering like a nun and like 10 babies and just a bunch of innocent kittens. Um, are you going to, are you going to stop John? Are you going to do something to stop him? Or are you going to let it play out and let him do it, all of those murders first? That's crazy. And it's, that's, <laughs> but maybe I'll put it to the fact that when is John going to 
do this murder? Am I shaking his hand? And it's like an hour later, he goes home and slaughters people. Mm-hmm. Or is this 30 years later? Does he have time to think and change how he's going to be of a person? Or, or is, I, I don't know. Is, or is, is this premonition so accurate that even if I shake his hand, I know for a fact 30 years from now, he's going to murder somebody. You know for sure. Or you at least by this point, you've had enough of these flashes and they've come so accurately yeah. true that you that I, you feel they're reliable. I know you, they're reliable. Honestly, I probably will stop him. I mean, just, by any means necessary. Yeah, that's kind of why I just think that no one should have this power because <laughs> you just you're obviously gonna stop them, but isn't something just naturally wrong about it at the same time to to I don't know. That's so tough. Yeah. It's really tough. It's a tough, it's a tough conundrum. What, what I ask you, what do you think? I've watched enough minority report kind of movies or like looper, uh, where they've explored this kind of thing. And every single time it seems like the, um, the path one often takes to avoid their destiny is, the road that leads them to their destiny. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, uh, I th- <laughs> that's not that's not me coming up with that. That's like I think I think I actually heard that in Kung Fu Panda. Um. <laughs> doing the check and finding out what they're going to do leads to them actually doing it. It's that's why it should not be done. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't do it. Just no. It's just let life unfold the way it unfolds. There's a lot of tragedy and sadness. But there's a lot of happiness and greatness. That's life. It's how it happens. Yeah. I, I mean, if I knew, would I stop it? Yes, because I couldn't help it. How could I know if this person's going to go home and kill his kids? Or you can, of course, stop that. But at the same time, there's just like things. Life just happens. It's tragic. It sucks. But we can't. We can't do that because, like you said, maybe just the fact of knowing is changing everything. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. You know? Yeah. Crazy. Great. That is. That is a moral dilemma thought. It is. It's, it, it's hard oh, to answer. It really is. Um, lose big three, number three. Moon Knight can go ahead and summon a suit. And we've seen two versions of that. He can summon, uh, the, what do you call it, the armor of Khonshu? Um, yeah. Or the Psycho Colonel Sanders suit. So, conceivably... Could he like summon an Iron Man suit or an Iron Spider suit if he wanted to? Like, could he just be like Iron Mark, Iron Man Mark Fifty and like the this like I I don't think we have all the facts yet on how it works, but I do believe that it's something to do with what you're summoning has. I don't think that necessarily Moon Knight is he's summoning. I think you're always summoning the armor of Kanchu when you're summoning it. I think even what even what Steven's wearing is that it's just his manifestation of that. And Mark doesn't get that by looking at it. He's just like, he thinks Moon Knight is what he summons, but really the armor and the suit is going to be whatever your personality kind of, I think Steven wants to be a suave, cool dude that he's not. So he, that's what he, that's what he conjures up because that's what he wants. Mm. So that's the suit he gets, but he he is still in the armor. Obviously, you see, he still has like the powers of Moon Knight. He rips the bumper off the car. 
get up and then he punches that motherfucker out. So he's like, oh, shit. You know, so I think the same things are being summoned. It's just how it's interpreted for that personality. Mm -hmm. I think you're right. Yeah, that's that's how I that's how I kind of saw it. So so he could summon a version of the armor of Conchu that like, let's say like Mark uh, or Sir Steven saw Iron Man on TV, like defending New York and was like, yeah, I want to I want it to look like that. It wouldn't exactly have an arc reactor or whatever. It wouldn't maybe have like nanobots right. that form it. Visibly. Um, yeah, I could see no, that. I don't think it gets that specific. OK. I, I mean, you know, reading too much into it kind of gets crazy, but I think it's just kind of your personality and that microsecond of what you're thinking when you conjure the suit. It's just kind of what happens for him. That's how Steven conjures it. And I, if you thought about the Iron Man suit, no, I don't. I think it's still going to be somewhat, uh, somewhat reminiscent of the white the white wrappings and that it's going to be, it's going to be some version of the white suit of some kind. It's not, you can't change that much, but that general color scheme and look can be varied in the way of your personality. I guess, is that the way to look at it? So you can't, you can't go too far from that white moon, you know, that white moon night mask look with the suit. It's going to be, it's all going to have the general same aesthetics, but Mm -hmm change for your personality you know i guess that's the best way i can say it moon knight's got the cool moon like star throwing moon things and then he's got the mr knight's got those cool stick weapons which i hope we get to see him use more so it all just kind of manifests into the personality of the person i think you're right it's not really their choice it just kind of happens okay yeah i could see that yeah um but what's your What's your take on that? I I think I think the way you're describing it is kind of what I was thinking, but like in different terms. So like I think that he could summon what looks like an Iron Man suit, but it would mm-hmm. be like white themed or some. You know, it right. would look yeah, it would have some sort of yeah. it's Conchu gonna, style to it. Always going to be themed off of Conchu's look, style, and colorization. That's just kind of how it's gonna gonna work. Yeah. But Yes. Cool. Um, so, Ryan, uh, are you ready to uh, – can I ask you to read uh, – I'm going to send it to you in the chat uh, if you can read our first bit of uh, hate mail that we've gotten on Robots versus Dinosaurs. Okay. Now, here's the thing, Ryan. I do want to give you a little bit of a, a preface for this. When I first read this email – um, I was immediately a little suspicious just by the the name of the e- the email address, um, because uh, uh-huh. I am I'm Louis G, uh, the host of Ro- Robots vs Dinosaurs, and this person oh. wrote an email from Gooey Lee at Gmail dot com. Oh, nice! Uh, so I, I just posted in the chat. Do you want to go ahead and read it read it out loud oh. for the listeners? Hello, Louis G. This is Gooey Lee. First of all, before you even ask, no, I am not, in fact, a split personality of Louis G. My name's Gooey Lee, and I found out about your stinking podcast when I was trying to find out whether a brontosaurus could beat the T-800 in a fight. Thanks to you and your lousy, stinking co-host, Ryan T. That I'm now hooked on a bunch of Marvel shows. See what had happened. See, 
what had happened was that I thought your podcast would answer my question. So I tried downloading and listening to every single episode. I even rated it five stars on all the podcast apps. Wow, Gooey Lee. <laughs> I mean, thanks for that, Gooey Lee, but... That's not bad, you know, considering you hate us. Yeah. <laughs> but you good-for-nothing mooks still haven't answered my question. So which is it, a Brontosaurus or the frickin' Terminator? Anyway, love the podcast, and once again, just a reminder, I'm a completely real person and not some character fabricated by the host of this podcast in order to write hate mail to the show. Gooey Lee. Oh, man, that Gooey Lee. Uh, now, is that that's a Luigi Conchu personality? <laughs> Ryan, I got to say, I, I was immediately suspicious when I read this email. I already yeah. like just from the email address and the, the fact that like the lady doth protest too much. He, he said twice in this yeah. email in, in just three paragraphs uh, that he's not a split personality of me. So what I did was after I read this, I immediately installed a chain and like a leg brace on my bed so that I could um, make sure that in the middle of the night, I'm not getting up, going to my computer and writing emails to the show. Um, and I got to say, I have to tell you, since I started doing that, no other emails came in. So, oh, well, I think there could be something fishy going on. Something yeah. fishy like Gus, maybe. <laughs> yeah. But maybe maybe we should answer his question, though. OK. Uh, so what do you think? W- would a Brontosaurus or the T-800 win in a fight? I'm going to tell you, although a brontosaurus is massive, huge, kind of unintelligent, really doesn't know much about what to do. We mm. think the Terminator is going to win this with his strength, weaponry. And I mean, if he can just get up onto the brontosaurus with his strength, he can easily hold on, get up to his brain or head, punch through his skull. And take the brunt. I know they have two brains, so maybe his tail will be living and become dead. <laughs> yeah. Or is that, that's actually just a myth. They don't really have two brains, do they? No, or, they have like a nerve cluster that pretty oh, much like controls the tail. It's it's similar to a second brain. That's his split personality. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's Brontosaurus yeah. and, and Moonosaurus. Yeah, T-800's winning. Okay. Um, the way I see this fight going is it, re- it comes down to how prepared the T-800 is. Because in reality, like, the Brontosaurus just needs one good hit in order to win. It just needs one, like, good, strong swipe with its tail or a good stomp uh, at the right moment. Whereas the T-800 has to use everything it has at its disposal in order to win. Um, I do think if it showed up with, like, the right kind of ranged weapon, it could maybe take it out, like, by shooting its neck or something from a distance. But, I don't know, in a cage match, I, I don't know. My money's on the Brontosaurus. What? That's a, a big cage. <laughs> <laughs> it's Thunderdome, baby. I think you're underestimating T-800. But hey, I'm, not, I'm not underestimating him. It's just, like, if, if, the, if, if he makes one mistake... And the Brontosaurus uh, gets one good stomp or hit, it's over. I think the stomp could really get him. If, it, if, he, is, if he gets caught up under that foot, that's hard. That's hard. Like, even a T-800 can't hold up a Brontosaurus foot. That, yeah. that's, a, that's massive. But if he, I think he could take like a tail swipe. You know what I'm saying? It's big, but 
T-800s fucking, you've seen them take some shit. That's true. I got, get hit by the tail and get moving again. If you can get on top of the brontosaurus, that brontosaurus is done. Uh, that's how I feel. One, if you can get onto its back, mm-hmm. it's over. I, that's my opinion. It'd be a good fight. I would definitely, I would definitely yeah. want to see it. Love to see that fight. <laughs> I do appreciate that. Uh, shout out to Gooey Lee. Um, if it was the T one thousand, there's no question. The T one thousand is going to win every time. It's like that. The liquid form. I mean, yeah. you can't stop it. So he's just going to, and then like, like yep. back up. And it's over. You're Climb done. up he its can, neck, turn into like a saw blade, and just slice it open. Exactly. Yeah. His giant spikes jab him into his neck and head. Yeah. It's over. That thing. I'm a, but yeah, T eight hundred though too. T eight hundred is is he's always he's never as good as his enemies, but he always proves to win because he's has smarter, mm-hmm. more. He, he has more more problem solving skills than a T one thousand. Maybe mm-hmm. seems like T eight hundred always comes through in the end. So I feel like he's going to come up with something. Okay, well, curveball then, because there's one person that's beaten the T-800, and it's Sarah Connor. So what if Sarah Connor's in this fight? Well, then Sarah Connor would win. Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> up into Brontosaurus T-bones. <laughs> uh, and then she'd say something cool like, no fate but what we make it. Yeah. So get back to Gooey Lee. Mm-hmm. Tell him, fucking T-800, Brontosaurus, that's a good battle. Mm-hmm. A little goddamn respect. <laughs> I, I assume Gooey Lee is listening, and if you are Gooey Lee, I, I want to thank you for the five star reviews uh, for for writing into our podcast. Um, yeah, and like- uh, yeah, if you have any more, if you have any more questions about which dinosaur or which robot would win in a fight, uh, let us know. Oh hell yeah, I'm always in for that kind of question. <laughs> uh, so Ryan, we already did um, what's your snack last week, and we did recast. Uh, uh, with Danny DeVito and Whoopi Goldberg, but has would your answer change at all in this episode if if we were to add uh, DeVito and Whoopi Goldberg um, to this episode? Would would they be anybody different? Well, for snacks, this episode would be some raisinets. You know why? Because I haven't had them in forever, and I used to love raisinets. Those little, and you know, I'm in on that. Now, secondly, I think that Danny DeVito would play the scarab. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Just because, you know, why yeah, not? Yeah, didn't, didn't you cast him as Red Wing in Falcon and Winter Soldier? I, I did. I did, yeah. Okay, so kind of a similar thing where he's like the mechanical sidekick. Because uh... he's small and versatile, just like Danny DeVito, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love that. Um, awesome. Uh, all right, so Ryan, any predictions for episode three of Moon Knight? Oh man, such a hard show to predict. It's going to be mind blowing. That's all I can tell you. Get ready because we're going to find out some shit in the next couple episodes, and I can't wait. Do you think if there is a third slash fourth personality that we'll see it in the next episode, or you think they'll save that for later? <clears throat> it's going to come soon. Next episode or two, maybe. But it can't go. Can't wait too long because there's only, there's only six episodes. You got to. I you know I don't want them to wait too long. I want everything to kind of get going. I hate like when everything builds up and then the last episode you're like, oh, we need to wrap this up. Like 
let's just get it rolled. So far, I think the show's been doing a great job of keeping it going quickly because there is only six episodes. We're already into Egypt. We're figuring out. We've seen Kanchu, Mr. Mr. Knight, and everything. So I think we're on a great pace. I, th- I think we're going to find out soon. I think so, Tom. I'm very excited for the next episode. Uh, So, listeners, uh, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe so you can get every episode of Robots vs. Dinosaurs, where we we review Moon Knight episode by episode. Uh, Thank you for listening. Um, Be like Gooey Lee and write write into us. (laughs) It's such a stupid name. Uh, (laughs) Be like Gooey Gooey Lee. Send in. Tell us you love us. Ask us questions. We're here. We'll answer them. Yeah. We will, we will, we will pit uh, any two robots slash dinosaurs in a fight, and we will decide the outcome. So oh, send, send yeah. those in. I'm in on that. Do it. Dope. Uh, all right. Uh, well, Ryan, it was great talking to you, and we'll see each other again next time. Yes, sir. Till next week. Later. Later. Nice. The moon night time is the moon right time. I am justice. Do you reckon he's having a seizure? You good-for-nothing mooks still haven't answered my question. So which is it? A brontosaurus or the frickin' Terminator? It's not an accent. This is how I talk. Gabriel, ne crie pas. Je suis triste. Et je voudrais me tendre. Les beaux étaient sans toi. C'est la nuit sans flambeau. J'ai refermé mes bras qui ne pouvaient détendre et frappé à mon corps. C'est frappé à tambour. Ne crie pas.